Hello, everybody. I'm Fabricio Sunson from the Spiritist Society of Bournemouth. I'm very happy to welcome you to another presentation brought to you by the Spiritist Society of Bournemouth and the Pool Christian Spiritualist Church. I give a very special welcome to our guest speaker online, Altino Majeste, who will be talking to us about Chico Xavier and his historical novels. Altino is a researcher in early Christianity and especially Soul of Tarsus, otherwise known as St. Paul. Altino is a blessing to have you talking to us tonight about Chico Xavier and his novels. But before they start off uh, Altino's talk, it's my pleasure to pass across to Lawrence Saville to, from the Pool Christian Spiritualist Church for our opening prayer. Over to you, Lawrence. Thank you, Fabricio, and a very good evening to everybody. So if you'd just like to still your minds just for this short time, put those thoughts, cares and concerns just to one side and focus on that divine within, the link to the God of your own understanding, divine and heavenly presence. We give thanks for evenings such as this, where we can join together to learn, to grow, to nurture our spirituality, to enable us to be better placed, to help those who come across our paths, treating them always with kindness, love and upliftment. We ask a blessing on all the people that have arranged this evening, bringing together this joyous time, this time of education, this time of learning, this time of upliftment, giving us the armour to walk the gentle path across this world. Amen. Thank you, Lawrence. I'm very pleased to now hand over to Altino Majeste for his talk on Chico Xavier and his historical novels. Over to you, Altino. Thank you very much, Fabrizio. Thank you, Larry. And good evening, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here with you tonight. Um, I'm not here to teach or to show things that I know because I know just a little. I'm here to share with you my passion, to share with you my researches and some results, some amazing results that I've found. Um, and uh, it's always a pleasure to talk about Chico Xavier and his books. It's always a pleasure to talk about gospel, to talk about Christianity, to learn from the early churches. So, um, and tonight what I come here to do um, is to show to you and share um, my findings, my discoveries. Um, on the last 30, 30 something years, um, I've been reading and researching um, Chico Xavier books, and um, especially the historical novels. And tonight, um, I'm going to talk about this with you. So thank you very much for having me. And um, I ask you in advance, apologize for my broken English, my macaroni English. I know that it could be better, but um, I'm trying to do my best. and. Uh, if something is missing or wrong, please 
apologize me in advance. I'll try to do my best. So, Emmanuel and Chico Xavier. The literary um, work of Spirit Emmanuel is a very, very ample and it's filled of poetry and owns an incomparable narrative. The books written by Chico Xavier through psychography, um, so Chico Xavier and Emmanuel, of course, covered a vast range of topics from religion, philosophy, historical novels, romances, um, Portuguese literature, poetry, science, and um, as well as thousands of letters intended to inform, console, and uplift the families of deceased persons um, during, um, <clears throat> uh, sorry, during his psychographic sessions. So his book sold an estimated 50 million copies. Yes, 50 million copies. And the revenue generated by it was totally channeled into charity work. Um, so many interpretation of biblical texts also uh, gave to Emmanuel the, the name, the nickname of the fifth evangelist. But Emmanuel, who is Emmanuel? So Emmanuel is a spirit, the guardian and the coordinator of the mediumistic work of Chico Xavier. And gradually, Emmanuel, he reveals himself and tells his experience in past lives in his books through the mediumship of Chico Xavier. But then who is Chico Xavier? So Chico Xavier, it's claimed the biggest, the greater medium of all times. He was absolutely amazing and um, his mediumship was so ample and cover um, a spectrum, a wide spectrum with in many, many ways. Um, but Chico Xavier, despite of being this kind of genius, he was a very, very poor boy who only studied up to the third year of basic education. He never went to university and had no training he wrote about. So he was writing poetry, literature, science, sociology, and he never ever been. He never stepped in, in a university or any specialized education. So it's very intriguing because how is it possible somebody with that kind of education, with that level of education, produce such great material, especially on writing? So before I talk then about the novels, the, the um, historical novels, it's important to introduce and to explain the impact um, of um, Chico Xavier mediumship and psychography had in the beginning and how it started. And then we go 
to talk about the historical novels. So um, Chico Xavier's first book was a collection of a great Brazilian poets. It's called Parnassus from the Afterlife, which one you can see now in the picture. So this is Parnaso, um, Além Tumulo, which means um, Parnassus um, is a mountain in central Greece. And uh, it's said that the muse lives there. And also it's called a place of music and poetry. But this Parnassus is not in Greece. It's from the poets from the afterlife. So, um, Parnassus, um, Parnassus um, it's, it was uh, um, something very different because all the, <clears throat> all the poets, of course, passed away and then they started uh, sending messages through Chico Xavier. At this point, um, it was just very the beginning of his first works. And in 32, 1932, um, this book came out and it was a bomb. It falls like a bomb on the editorial market, on the publishing market, because how was possible all those poets that already passed away writing again? And then a member of the uh, Brazilian Academy of Letters called Humberto de Campos. On that time he was alive and he wrote, he read that book. So he was a member, first of all, he was a great, great poet, uh, a wonderful writer. And he's member of the uh, Brazilian Academy of Letters. So, and he said, well, I think personally that we have to take a look on what uh, Chico Xavier is writing because we have to see here what is fantasy, what is fake and what is real. But what I can see here is that all these poets, all these writings are very, very close to the original ones. And the media and the uh, newspapers, everybody started putting eyes on Chico Xavier because it was something different and new, and it was in there. And um, Umberto de Campos saying that it was a very good creation, a very good work in literature. Um, and this book was a success. It was amazing. It sold a lot. And the people started questioning, how is it possible? Somebody like Chico Xavier, that just up to the basic education, to the third year, year three, writing things like that. And all the poems, the metric, uh, the musicality, everything was like the original. And Umberto de Campos was mesmerized with this. It's, wow, it's something amazing. So it was on the first edition. Years later, about two or three years later, what happens is that um, 
there was a new edition of Parnaso, um, Parnassus from the afterlife. And on that time, Umberto de Campos had passed away. And surprisingly, on this new edition, with the new authors, with the new writers, poets, he was in there. So the same Umberto de Campos, the great ones, member of uh, the Brazilian Academy of Letters, was then writing through Chico Xavier on the book that he talked about when he was alive. So that's how things start. And it's just to say that the mediumship and the medium mystic writing of Chico Xavier is something out of the world, literally, because it's perfect. It's perfect. Um, I used to do, uh, I used to study um, in Portugal and in Italy, and I did studies of translation and literature. And um, I, one of my <clears throat> subjects was uh, comparing literature, and I did it with the original writers and after, through Chico Xavier, and the metric and everything is perfect. But there is something amazing on it. All those poets now, they are writing to say that the life can win the death. We are here to prove it. And everything they write then is to give hope. He's talking about the gospel, saying that Jesus is not a legend, he is real. Teaching us that we have to think not only here about this world, because life goes on after. So that's the way that Chico Xavier then starts writing uh, on, um, as a medium. And then um, we can talk a bit about the novels um, or the historical novels. They are a collection of uh, five books. Um, and they also are called Roman novels. And um, because as most of the plots are set in Rome. And there's one of the books is called Renunciation. Um, it's a historical novel, but it cannot be like the four others because um, it's on the 17th century. So uh, later on, and lots of things are read, uh, the settlement of um, Christianity and religions, it was a long way done. So the four ones that um, we're going to talk about, it was just from the beginning of uh, when Jesus was alive and uh, up to the second, third century. So, yes, um, Renunciation, um, th this book, um, it's on the, the one that's uh, set on the 17th century. It's set most in France and in Spain. So the first book um, of um, Chico Xavier, um, the historic novel, it's called 2,000 Years Ago. 
And um, 2000 years ago was published in 1939 in March. And um, so it tells the story of um, um, Senator Publius Lentulus, a patrician, a Roman patrician. And he had a meeting with Jesus. Yes. I'm not telling you how it happens, but um, because you can find this book gladly on, um, on print. And also you can find it on uh, Amazon, on Kindle. Yes, it's in there. All those books that we're going to talk here, they are in there. And many, many others um, of Chico Xavier and Emmanuel. Um, also, if you want to have it in paper, um, you can contact BUS, British Union Spirit Society, or later on you can talk to Fabricio Sanson, and he can lead you how can you have it. So, 2,000 years ago, so on the banks of Lake Genesre, Publulentulus, Publulentulus was the, uh, the senator, the Roman, and, uh, well, he's the Emmanuel, the spirit Emmanuel, the guide of Chico Xavier, had, uh, has an encounter with Christ. Publius has gone to be sick Jesus to heal his little daughter, Flavia, who has contracted leprosy. Moved and magnetized by emotions he has never felt before, he hears the master tell him, it would have been better if you had come publicly and in broad daylight in order to learn once for all the sublime lessons of faith and humility. Yes. And um, after many years of deviations from the path of the good, do which are all blatant wrongs today, you have come to the turning point for the regeneration. <clears throat> Sorry. <coughs> for um, the regeneration of your entire life. It's up to you, however, to take advantage of it either now or a few millennium from now on. But no one can impose an act that it's against your conscience if it's your desire to spurn this blessed moment indefinitely. He perceives that Jesus was praying. And then that very night, his daughter begins to improve not noticeable until she is completely well. What are the consequences of this encounter with the Divine Master? Yes, Flavia, his little daughter, was healed. So, and Livia, Publius wife, a patrician woman, of course, converts to Christianity. Publius returned to his political affairs, but refused to believe that Jesus was the author of his daughter's recovery. Emmanuel, later on, narrates this personal experience with the richness of details that characterize all his books. And um, so, um, and that we can ponder that precious moments that we have, we can take that lesson from Emmanuel on that his encounter with Jesus, because all of us, we are offered um, through our life as encounters and moments with Jesus, moments that are often wasted, thereby retarding our progress and our evolution. So 
This first novel, then, it's Emmanuel talk about his encounter with Jesus, but um, he um, he didn't sorry um, he didn't accept that Jesus was the author of the recording of his daughter, and he was of course a Roman senator, a powerful man. And then on the next book, which is called Fifty Years Later. And um, Emmanuel come back, he returns to the life again. And, but at this time, he is incarnated as a slave. And um, Emmanuel tells a story that is linked to Christianity in the second century. So we are talking about now 50 years later. Um, in this novel, some characters of the novel 2,000 years ago, return to the earthly journey as a result of the law of cause and effect. One of the central characters of that book, the senator Publius Lentulus, which is Emmanuel, appears in this sequel, reincarnated as Nestorius, a slave. In his return to earth, this slave embraces a more humble stance on that his proud heart had oppressed in his previous life. God's mercy allows him to redeem all his excess and arbitrary acts of the past. When invested by public power, he vainly thought he held all rights and supremacy in his hands. However, this book's main character, in fact, is a woman named Celia, whose sublime heroism was a beacon on the path of several disheartened and suffering spirits, as Emmanuel describes. Celia understood and lived Jesus' teachings through her pain-filled existence. So, it's a sequence, as you can see, first 2,000 years ago, then 50 years later, and then... Um, we have um, Publius Lentulus, Emmanuel, the mentor and guide of Chico Xavier, first as somebody, someone that was in the power, and then he became, so he, he returns to life as a slave. So I'm not spoiling the, the stories for you, it's just a general thing to make you understand it. And um, after I'm going to talk about the research that I do, we go through with these books. And the masterpiece, the cherry on the cake of um, Chico Xavier and Emmanuel's uh, production is called Paul and Stephen. It's the most beautiful story told of the apostle of Gentiles, of Paul of Tarsus. And I have traveled a lot, and I have written dozens and dozens and dozens of books about Paul of Tarsus, but nothing, nothing compares to Paul and Stephen. Um, I'm friend of um, with um, Tom Wright. Uh, I think that you know Tom Wright. Uh, fresh perspectives on Paul and many many other books about he's the best and the greatest man in the world now to talk about Paul of Tarsus. 
and I sent I sent this book to him. So, and uh, I think that he really appreciated it because after on his writings, I saw something here and there that he picked it from that Paul and Stephen. Yeah. So, but then again, we have to think who was Paul of Tarsus, a fanatical Pharisee and a ruthless persecutor of Christians and the newborn Christian doctrine, or who was a bane predestinated by divine choices, who converted up and receiving the gift of the apparition um, of Jesus in a glorious visions at the gate of Damascus. So again, who was Paul of Tarsus? We have to think about it. Was him just a great apostle? He was just a predestined man. He was much more than that. He was a man that was waiting for the Messiah. And he could do anything to keep his laws and the prophets and his traditions. He was an amazing rabbi. And he could expect anyone to be a Messiah, but not that Galilee. Not that humble carpenter. It was not in his script expecting that. But then it happened. Jesus appeared to him and everything changed. So, Paul of Stephen, this book was published in 1941. And this book will show us the greatness of Paul of Tarsus, a courageous, daring, and sincere man who repented for his radical posture and culminated in the stoning of Christianity, first martyr, Stephen, who humbly undertook the accelerated revision of his ideas in answers to Jesus' call. Because the difference between us and Paul and Saul of Tarsus is that he asked to the Master, what do you want me to do, Lord? So, all of us, single one of us, we have an encounter with Jesus every day. But we are scared of asking Jesus, what do you want me to do, Lord? And this is the difference. What can change our life in the same way it's changed the life of Paul of Tarsus. So, what have we done with this invitation? with this, because we are expecting meeting Jesus at Oxford Street in London. Yes, we can. But we want to walk down to Damascus Road to wait till Jesus come to us in there. Or we have Jesus, the live Jesus, mm -hmm. through the scriptures in every day and in every moment of our lives. What are we waiting for? What's the next step? We have to follow Saul of Tarsus. That's why I really, really recommend this book, Paul and Stephen. It's ignite our faith. It's change our lives. So, first of all, read this book, and then you will see and find how amazing work is the psychography and the mediumistic writing of Chico Xavier through Emmanuel. It's absolutely amazing. 
And um, Paul and Stephen, we were neighbors to understand how love erases a multitude of wrongs. So, and everything happened in this book with just a man in Corinth called Yochadeb. He was walking to the market on that day in Corinth, and uh, everything happens there. And it started there. It's fascinating. It's amazing. I've done lots and lots of trips to Corinth and many other places where some Paul have been and lived. And this book, when it starts, when you read this book, and then when you go and walk in the ancient roads and the streets of Corinth, you feel that Paul walking there and Jesus was there. And the lessons is something, it's like a volcano inside. We can't be the same after reading this book. It's, it's brilliant. And then um, we have the four books, uh, Hey You Christ. It's a partnership, again, of course, between Medium Chico Xavier and Spirit Emmanuel. And it reviews the story of spirits called Quinto Varros and Tassianos, two souls connected by many, many, many reincarnations and who met each other again in the third century of Christianity in a region controlled by the Roman Empire. As an example of simplicity, trust, and love, the pioneers of the good news devoted themselves to serving Christ, having as their sustenance only their powerful and unshakable faith. This is a moving story that shows us how much true love can accomplish in its manifestation of solidarity on behalf of human individuals. So those books, they are absolutely amazing. If you are interested, interested in learn deeply how the first church started, the beginning of everything, read those books. 2,000 years ago, 50 years later, Paul and Stephen and Hail Christ. So I don't have here at the moment the pictures because today I had a problem with my computer. I just have some of the picture that was saved in my external HD. But um, gladly, um, I will send those pictures, these pictures to Fabricio and he will share them with you and the name, the titles of all the books, and then you can have access to all of them. So, and um, we have also renunciation, as I said, this book is not set on um, in the Roman Empire regions. It was later on in the 17th century. It's based um, on, it's mainly, it happens, the story, the plot happens in France and in Spain. And this, this story of uh, Alcyone, an amazing spirit, and also tell lots and lots of things about faith and uh, another brilliant story of Chico Xavier. So I really, really, um, and strongly um, recommend you reading this um, these books. Um, now I can start telling you about my researches. 
um, the things that I've done. Um, and again, I have to show you the pictures in this way, my friends. I'm so sorry. But um, here, this picture, it was taken um, at the Carceri Marmitino, Marmitinian prison. So this is the most, most famous prison in Rome. It's in the Roman Forum. And only the very dangerous uh, criminals could stay in there. And that's exactly the place where Paul of Tarsus was held while in Rome. Because you know that um, he, was, he was allowed to have a house, but in, uh, in every three days, he had to go uh, to the forum, so to be seen, and at the carcery, Marmecinum. So, on 2,000 years ago then, um, Emmanuel uh, reincarnated as Publio Lentulus. Um, he started the book in a conversation with a friend, and uh, his, uh, his, he said to him that he had a dream, but it was not a dream, it was a real experience. And he said that a whole of series of scandals that took me away from the consulate, I felt the end of my famous and miserable acts before inflexible executioners who condemned me to the dreadful punishment of strangulation. Please keep in mind this word, strangulation, where I experienced all the torments and anguished of death. So, here he's talking about Lentulus, his great his grand grandfather he had his dream and he felt that the anguish and the torments of his strangulation and then i'm gonna i'm showing you this this plague it's in the sign it's on a carceri marmitinum marmitinum prison and then i'm gonna show to you can you see this name here? Lentulo. And Altri Complici di Catilinia. And the cause of that, strangulati. So strangulated. And now you can see here, I have a book which was written by a man that went up only for the ear tree on basic education and what is written in that book about a senator in rome and the way he was uh, killed exterminated he had his name in that prison in carceri marmetinum so you, you can see here, Emmanuel's and Chico Xavier book is not a fantasy. It's history in there. And then, without a word, Publius took Flaminius' arm and led him to the gallery in the Tablinium. I, I mean, I'm uh, reading here parts of the book. So, and then we are following with my investigations and researches. 
So um, to the gallery in, a, in the tablinium located in a corner of the peristyle near home altar, where the purest and the holiest familial, familial devotional rites were held. And it's very strange because this, there are two words here, tablinium and peristyle, which in, um, in Latin is peristilium. And how was supposed Chico Xavier with only, only basic education, write and use all these words? And now you can see the picture here, Peristilio in late. Um, it's in the forum, in the Roman forum on the um, Tiberius Dome on the top of the hill. And uh, I found it there. So Chico Xavier is talking about architecture, about Romans construction. And he's a guy, a young man that lived without electricity for many, many years. So he was born in the first um, decade of 19th. So how was possible that him knew all, know all these things. But it's in the book. As I say to you, and in the beginning when I talk about uh, Parnassus from the afterlife, is just to say that how real and intense are those books. And again here you can see Il Peristilo Inferiore della Domus Augustiana. So the lower peristyle of the Domus Augustana, it's a fact, it's, it's in there. So nowadays, even if you ask for an Italian, for a Roman person, what is a peristyle or what is a tablinium, they don't know. Even then, they don't use these words anymore. So it was from that time and how it's possible a man from the countryside in Brazil, in the middle of nowhere, on that time there was no computer, there was no access to books, there was no libraries. And he's bringing all these things. And then for me, um, it was amazing because I could see and find it on the books and then in my trips, on my researches, on following the steps of St. Paul, I could find it. And then this is a peristyle. As you can see, the columns, everything is very, very Roman. So, how was suppose suppose I'm Chico Xavier know all these things? And then, uh, following, there is a chapter in the book 2000 years ago, which is called The Last Minute of Pompeii. There will be no stone unturned, right? It's a quote. But instead of Jesus saying this to Publius Lentulus, the senator, when they had that encounter, that meeting, instead of saying that there will be no stone unturned, Jesus said to him, your entire empire will turn to ashes. And in fact, Publius Lentulus and his entire empire were destroyed 
because of the rain of ashes from the eruption of Vesuvius in 79 AD. So, on that moment, when Jesus met him, as you remember, Jesus asked him, it's your option to accept my invitation now or centuries later. And then he said to him, your empire can be destroyed from a moment to another and everything will be ashes. And then Publio Lentulus Emmanuel died in the eruption of Vesuvio. And as you know, before the hot stuff, the life come up, first it was the ashes that covered and killed everything. So, <clears throat> it's, it's very rich, the descriptions and how things are linked in the book and in the reality. As you can see here, let me show you now, uh, in uh, it's in Portuguese because I couldn't find it in English. As I said to you, I lost all my files. It's called um, On the Last Minutes of Pompeii and tells it's And um, so everything that are in the books are real. You can check the dates, the eruption, the chronology of the stories. Everything is perfect. Um, and then there is another very interesting, um, let me find it here. Yeah. Um, yeah, there is a place um, in, uh, in Rome, in, in um, the Forum, that it's called Gemonia. And for many, many years, I did the research and I couldn't find why it's called Gemonia. Because as you know, in Rome, most of the things uh, are in honor of uh, a god or emperors or a rich person. So things like that. But that place, a stairs, is called Gemonia. And then um, there was one of the men, which is in the, the story, called Andre di Gioras. He was, he, wa he went to the Carceri Marmitinum and then on the book say that he was taken to the Gemonium. And for many years I thought, but what could be this? And then I start my researches. Well, conclusion, Gemonie, Scala Gemonie, were the places where the people that was killed uh, there, the traitors of the empire, it was a very, very high stairs. And these people, they were left in there and they threw the bodies, the corpses, from the top to the down, and the people clap, 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 and celebrate that thing before um, they've been thrown in the waters of Tiber River. So um, it's it's very, very strange, but say, why Altino is talking about uh, Gioras? Why is this? Because here, I'm going to get back here to show you here why I'm saying this to you. Look here now this name, Simone di Giora. 
difensori di Gerusalem, defenders of Jerusalem. So, this person here, this character, was related to Simone, Simon of Chiora. Uh, he was one of the person, the men's uh, defenders against the rise of Jerusalem. And Emmanuel tells us on the book that he was took to the Gemonia stairs. And on my researches at the university in Rome with uh, historians, and they told me what happens in there. So it's a fact. You see, it's very rich because Emmanuel was telling um, us small things, but that are very, very important to know. So um, we know that the things are real. It's not just a fantasy. And then on the book now, um, 50 years later, we have this amazing um, chapter where the main character has was living. He has to, she has to left her home, and all the way there's a trial that was walking down from Rome to the south of Italy. And then, on the book, say that um, leaving the Fabricius Bridge, she walked in direction to the island of Tiber, where the crowd of poor jostled. At the last light of the afternoon, she tried to cross the bridge Cestius, meeting a simple woman of a cheerful and humble countenance. So, we are talking about a bridge here in a book. And as you can see here, this book, sorry, this bridge is real. It's still nowadays in Rome. And it may sound a bit vague, I'm just saying here and there, but when you can walk, and I do this kind of trip, and I have many, many friends following me and doing these researches with me, it's amazing because we read the book, we go to the bridge, we have all the sensations, all the feelings in local, at local. So we can feel it at the right place where everything happened there. And uh, also, um, there's two bridges. And um, when you go to Rome, if you go to um, um, Tiberian Island, you have to cross those two islands. And here, a picture of myself at the Pontus Fabricius, Pons Fabricius, um, in this book 50 years later. So for me, it was very important because I was living inside the history. So I was thinking to myself, well, I, I used to do my master's degree in Oxford in creative writing. I saw how difficult it is to write, in, to write a book and made the chronology and everything. And all those books, those two books, 2,000 years ago and 50 years later, was written at the same year with all this richness of details. 
And then, after reading these books, you go for a holiday, and then we start looking for the bridges, for the buildings, for the places, and you say, well, I know this. I knew that because I read the books. But from where Chico Xavier pick it? Ideas? No. He had just, as I said before, just the, the basic education, the very elemental education. It wasn't possible. So, yes, but it's real. It's just to confirm to us that the life after death is real. There is a communication. And the people are scared and afraid of spirits. So, if there are good people, there will be good spirits. If there are bad people, there will be bad spirits. The problem is we are afraid to whom we are connected with. And that's the main point. So, uh, and then the main character go walking. So just to tell you, um, I did these walkings from Rome to where I'm going to say here now, to the south. And once I took a wrong train and uh, I was... Uh, I was supposed to take the very fast train and I took the wrong one. And it was falling and all the station it stopped. I say, but this is the station that's saying in the book, that's the next stop, the same, it's in the book. The next stop, the same, it's in the book, 50 years later. And then um, I contacted the, the train operator and I said, sorry, but why this train is doing this road here? And this stops with these cities here. And they say, oh, no, because this is the old Via Appia. So the Appian Road. So everything in there and in a perfect way. And here it's a very, very special, special moment. So the, the main character, she was walking. Uh, let me put it here clearly. Yeah. Um, with thought and pray, she walked almost mechanically, watching and wished that the shadows of twilight were approaching. The road ran through a crumpled valley on one side, and in one side uh, the ocean, and in the other a mountain range. The last rays of the sun gilded the dome when she saw on the left a providential cave formed by the, the elements of nature. It was, however, a natural building so imposing that a more accurate examination was enough to recall the lessons of her grandfather, identifying that place with its reminiscence of the studs with, she had with her grandfather. That cave, the one you are seeing now on the picture, was the famous place where Sejanus had saved Tiberius' life when the former emperor, still a prince, went with some friends to the cities of Campania in Italy. Feeling surrounded by the dying flashes of the afternoon, she headed inside where a natural cavity seemed well disposed for a night's rest. This moment on the book is beautiful because she had to sleep there. She held a child and she had to sleep there. 
So this is the case, as you can see, and everything in one side is the Tyrrhenian Sea, and the other side, the mountains range, is absolutely perfect and exactly as said on the book. And here, now the things get more and more interesting because <clears throat> the history of um, the main character in 50 years later, in fact, is the story of um, <clears throat> Santa Marina. Um, it's the story about um, a monk, a woman that she changed into a monk. As I say, she left her home in Rome. She was a patrician from a very, very rich family. And she had to left. I'm not telling these stories, but and then she ended up uh, in this monastery. She stayed there. She was dressed up as a man. But as you can see this picture, I'll talk about it later on. It is very interesting because at, at the monastery, when she went, sent her with the three monks to attend some business for the monastery. And then she went to the inn. She, stand, she had to stay there for three days. And then um, a Roman uh, um, soldier fell in love with the daughters of the, um, uh, the innkeepers. And he abused her. She became pregnant. And then what the soldier said to her, the Roman soldier said, you have to say that this son, the children that you are, because she became pregnant. And then she said that you have to say that this, this child is son of that monk. If you say that it's mine, I'm going to kill your father. So she lied. And uh, they say that the, the, the child was from the monk. So she returns there, and after they send her out from the monastery, right? As you can see in this picture, so she raised the child, as you can see here, the little boy. And the fact that at the end, um, they find out, because when she passed away, and they went to clean her body to bury her, they find out that she was a woman. And then they understand everything that happens there. So this is the story of Santa Marina. And uh, the story of Santa Marina, um, she changed her name from Marina for a woman into Marinos. And then it's um, the, the, the Catholic tradition and she's a saint, the patron in the Venice in Italy. So this picture is in there in um, Santa Maria Formosa Church. As you can see in the picture here, at the far end, there is the monastery. And she was living in, a, in her very humble place, as you can see. But the main thing she was teaching for the little one about Jesus. And the story is absolutely amazing. 
And now, this is the body, the mummy of Santa Marina, or um, Father Marino, because he changed his name to go to the monastery. It was necessary to be men. She dressed up as a man, but then she became a saint. And here, as you can read, Corpus Marinas. So, Marinas, uh, uh, Marina body, it's in there. Her hands. And here, a preface of a book talking about Celia Lucius, her patrician, her Roman name. And here, about Santa Marina, as you can see. And believe or not, after my trips doing these researches, I finished it and I had to take a bus. And the name of the bus, Marino. I was returning to Rome and I took a bus this time. And as you can see, it was a coincidence. No, it wasn't. It was something above there. And here, um, well, my time is running, I know, close to an hour. So here are another place in Rome, also quoted in the books. Here, the Colosseum, which is described. So all those columns here, they are um, Corinthian, they are Ionian, and all these details are on those books. And hear me with... This book is uh, 2,000 years ago, and here, 50 years later. So, my dear friends, I've been talking now for nearly an hour. And uh, thank you for your patience. Thank you for listening to me. There is a lot more to be said about those books. I'm trying to resume it in here in an hour. I know that it's impossible, but it's just to give you a taste. And I will send to Fabricio Asunção all the links where you can find the books. And uh, I really, really recommend you to read, to discover, and to be delighted by the books and the novels of Chico Xavier. Because if you are following Jesus, we have to learn from those that gave their lives in honor to Jesus and let for us this legacy of faith the unshakable faith so yes that's my talking for today thank you for listening to me and if you have any questions easy questions that i can learn it will be a pleasure thank you very much for having me tonight and now the time uh, for your questions if there's any thank you very much god bless you all Thank you, Gina. Uh, you just made me want to go travel now. And it's just like, it's a shame that at the moment we can't go anywhere with the lockdown. <laughs> but this is future planners, plans for sure next year. I would love to go to see all those places. I haven't been and I have followed you on some of your trips. Um, and I heard a lot of your trips. So that is definitely something on my to-do list to go and see all those places. You're more than welcome. Uh, and, and all the friends from Bournemouth, from Spiritual Church. So um, I'm going to say to my 
friends on Facebook. If you do have any question, can you pop your questions on here on, on the chat on Facebook? And then I can read it out to Otino. And Lawrence, you're very quiet. Well, I'm letting you get on. No, I, I loved hearing your passion, Otino. This is one thing uh, that does really translate very well with the online experience we're all having now. And when you've got somebody who's really passionate, I'd like to ask, how, how did you correlate the actual evidence to the books? Was it you knew the story from the books and you researched and went and found the evidence? Or was it you just came across the evidence and then thought, ah, hang on? <laughs> well, um, it was uh, a mix of things happening. The, but the thing is, um, I since when I was very, very young, um, even when I was living in Portugal and in Brazil, um, and with the history books, uh, we have a, a place in Brazil with two, two cities. It's called Ouro Preto, Black Golden, and Tiradentes. They are historical cities. And when I was studying um, basic education, when I was reading about history, I was with a book in my hand and asked my mom, please take me to this place because I want to see if it's true or not. <laughs> so it's about the golden mines and the slavery and the, the streets. So I've always been fascinated by history and travelings. And um, when first, but first I read um, the books and then with my researches, uh, I started getting deep and deep and deep because um, I, I am spiritist and um, I'm a Christian, but and I always want to try to understand something that was that were missing. Why I don't understand this thing in the gospel or in the Acts? What is behind? And um, when I start reading those books, lots of my questions start being answered and then I start in uh, um, doing researches sometimes word by word and I say what this word means and for example because of a word I travel to Rome several times uh, just to find out so the, the books are very very rich but just to let you know as your question I have this book here it's called Tres Romas, the Three Romes. It was written exactly 100 years before those books that I talk about here. And the trips and everything, as you can see, I have loads of notes on it. Oh, also, I have the original tickets here from the Tiberius, as you can see. <laughs> because also, this book, it was about a, a father. Uh, it's uh, written in ancient Portuguese. The same trip that the girl made from Rome down to the south, he made it. And then I was so disappointed because I thought, as a researcher, and I say, well, how uh, there is a source there they could be read for any reason somehow. But then I say, well, it could be disappointed if there was something wrong then, because this road, as I say to you, it was the Via Appia. 
and there was no way for anything to be changed. Yeah. So the similarities were in there. So, and then for me, the confirmation of the facts was simply amazing. So, and more and more you learn, more and more you want to know. So I just brought this here to talk about those books, but specifically regarding Paul of Tarsus, it's amazing reading the books and walking on the roads where he walked and doing the meditations, going to the, to the Agora in Athens. And uh, yes, the things, they are connected, evidences and facts and missing things. And I can tell you, um, I read a lot of things about St. Paul, for example. All those books behind me here, most of them are about St. Paul. Um, but nothing compared to Paul and Stephen. How, for example, how Paul became friends of Timothy? We know that it happens in Lystra and after, but the beginning of the story, it's like, um, uh, uh, how you say when you are doing a DVD, you have those behind deleted scenes, everything are on those books. The oh yeah, yeah. The making <laughs> off. So you find everything in there. It's amazing. Yes. Altino, I got a um, question for you, and I have one for myself. So I'm not going to let you off and try ask that as well. <laughs> so, so um, Jamie Forrest. So Jamie has a question for you. He says, "Did Emmanuel write the book as evidence of life after death, or as mean to propagate spiritism?" Wow, Jamie, very good question. Let me read it here. Emmanuel writes the books as evidence of life after death or as a means to propagate spiritism. Well, um, you give me here two choices. Definitely, definitely evidences of life after death. Definitely. The... Um, to propagate spiritism, it was a consequence, but more than give us evidence of life after death. All these lessons from these books, it's a biography. And what Emmanuel says about himself on this story is saying, learn from my mistakes. It's amazing because he's in the books, on his own books, not as a hero, as the one that failed, as the one that had an encounter with Jesus, a meeting with Jesus on the shores of Genezareth lakes. And he said no to Jesus. So he returns then and say, listen, don't waste your time. The precious moment is now. Life goes on. Death is nothing for God. It's about living. Death has no the last word. The last word is God. Because the death can kill your body. Yes, your biological system, of course, like anything in nature. But your soul are eternal. It's like in a poetical way, sometimes, we cannot have the roses and the petals, but we have here the beauty of a springtime and sometimes the sense of the smelling it.
this is life. And Emmanuel, writing those books, is to call our attention that we have no time to waste. And Emmanuel never, ever was um, the intention, the main intention was, oh, let's propagate spiritism to make it, wow, a new religion, let's do it, because people know. Those books, his books, are always to lead and guide us to the Jesus, to the gospel, to the good news. Everything in there is to help us in our inner transformation, in our moral transformation. We have a really good um, comment here from Humberto, all the way from Brazil. Uh, he says, it is an attempt to provide evidence of very detailed memories of a distance point in time about which we have very little information, including Paul's and other Gospels, character, personalities, motivation, and lives. Well, yeah, yeah. It's an attempt to provide evidence of every detail memories of a distant point in time, yes. Um, yeah, that, that's what I say, the richness on those books is something, you know, um, some, some, Something are so, so real. For example, for a reader, uh, sometimes it's just in their just words. But there's a passage in the books that say that, and she was walking. I'm talking about 50 years later, and she's walking and seeing the oranges plantations and this, and on that place in Italy are the place where they have the best oranges in there. So Emmanuel knows that it's evidence, it's things in there, yes. And um, I'm so, so happy and so blessed to know the spiritism and um, to see that the um, psychography is bringing us all these memories. And uh, I would like to say something here if you give me the opportunity. Despite of selling more than 50 million cop books and being one of the greatest mediums of all time, I'm going to tell you a, a very important thing. The biggest work of Chico Xavier was not writing those amazing books, was writing letters for desperate parents that lost their children from accidents, from suicide, and nights and after night, up to five in the morning, Chico Xavier, with a paper and a pen, in the middle of the night, he stand up and say, I have a letter here from saying this, and the proof of evidences, saying things that only sometimes a mother knows, things like favorite cake, that day when you, mom and dad, went to play on the river, details of things, and the thousands of lives that Chico Xavier uplifted are amazing. So yes, it's a blessing, Umberto. And all those evidences make us happy 
and uh, you have to look for the good side of everything always the good details and good we, have, <laughs> we have a question from our dear friend Stephen, all the way from dublin he says otino oh <laughs> For those who want to know Emmanuel, what is the first book you would recommend? Um, well, um, as I said, uh, Emmanuel's books is it's very the spectrum is <laughs> well. There are books about philosophy, sociology, religion, history, sociology. Um, Personally, I, I'm talking about the things that I like. Um, there is um, a book, uh, a collection of books called um, Good News, Boa Nova, Good News. It is a collection of comments on every single um, versicle in the Bible. So um, let me show you, I have it here with me, this book here, for example, it's in Portuguese, we don't have it yet, uh, we don't have it yet in English, but um, we have good news, for example, our daily bread, um, the way, the life and truth, so it, um, those books, yes, our daily bread, amazing in English, yes, so those books they are comments of passages in the gospels with a very very deep knowledge because emmanuel seen things with the eyes of the spirit and sometimes we don't understand this or that passage in the, in the gospels and then when you read this you say wow that's the meaning that's that's the real message, you know, because sometimes uh, the messages are COVID or we can't understand them. But yes, I recommend to read um, those books, Our Daily Bread, Green Light, um, The Way, The Truth in Life, Our Daily Bread. Yes, because they are very rich. And then when you see the knowledge, the wisdom of Emmanuel, and then, yes, you go for the historic novels, and then you have the knowledge, the deep knowledge of the meaning of the biblical um, quotes, the versicles one by one. And then when you start reading the historical novels, you are already made to have a deep um, comprehension of the historical novels as well. Yes. In my opinion, go for those books talking about the gospel first. And thank you, Bertozzo. You are a nice friend. Thank you. <laughs> so I think now I have got my question. Um, you mentioned about the five books, right, uh, tonight. Um, have you been able to map it up, um, all the countries that those books refer to? And have you got that list? Do you know what the countries are? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't. I don't have it here. And uh, as I am dyslexic, sometimes I'm. I'm I, I can't forget things at, at the right moment. But yes. Now, for example, Paul and Stephen, 
as I say, it's Roman. It's starting in Greece, in Corinth. And then there are loads of travels. And as Paul and Stephen, for example, all the travels of Paul. So um, on that time, there was no Turkey, right? It was Asia Minor. But now we have a country. Now we have... Um, and then we go to Cyprus, we go to Malta, even to Spain. So, um, yes, uh, there is... a. Um, renunciation, which I say what the story is taking place later on, it started in Avila in Spain, and then it <clears throat> moved to Paris, and then a family uh, is from Ireland. So then they moved it, and after they go then to America. So the dream, it's talking about immigration, people moving to there, and it's very interesting, Fabrizio, your question, because there is uh, this family on this renunciation. Uh, they, are, uh, uh, they are broken and they have to leave um, Ireland. They, they try to move to France, but then they have to go to, um, to America, to the new land. And when they arrived there, they start a tobacco plantation. And, but nowadays there is no plantation, tobacco plantation in that place anymore. And some researchers say, well, there is something wrong in here. And then they made the research on those times, that place was a, um, a land of Irish families cropping tobacco. So <laughs> it was right. And the links are there, so yes, it's very rich. And uh, but uh, talking about places, yes, um, I, I mapped everything. Uh, well, actually, I mapped cities, streets, buildings. Yes, I do it in Rome, for example. I have a map of every every place that are said on those places. Well, nowadays some places, some buildings doesn't exist anymore. But I have them mapped, yes. There is a thing that um, Colonial Actarium, where, where the place where the orphans were left overnight, the rejected children, it's said in this building. It's amazing because there is that place, there is no more. But the evidence is said here on the books with the evidence that I made in Rome through some um, historian friends in there, and the, with some um, archaeologists, I was able to state where that place was. And it was wow. <laughs> and amazing because Chico Xavier was writing them without knowing that. <laughs> so, yes, it, it's, it's a two kind of trip the physical trip and the trip through the pages of the books. Yes. That is the beauty of Chico Xavier's mediumship, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Without doubt. And and the best, the best of all trips that I learned to do, as some Paul made, is the trip inside myself. More I go out there to find out something, deeper I travel inside myself. And I know there are many, many places, many roads to be discovered here. But when we are guided by Jesus, when we are guided by the books of Chico Xavier, 
even when I find out inside myself a dark place, a place that is not very pleasant, I know that is part of my way, then it's time to sow seeds of hope and beauty and uh, fraternity inside myself. And then this landscape, this dark landscape inside myself will be a beautiful one one day because God is good all the time. Thank you, Tuno. So just before I go to Lawrence for our closing prayer, I just would like to announce our next Spiritist evening, which is going to be on the 4th of December. And our guest speaker is Evanice. And the topic that she's going to be talking to us is identity of spirits, distinction of good and bad spirits. So again, on the 4th of December uh, with Evanese, um, with the topic, identity of spirits, distinctions of good and bad spirits. So um, I wish to say a very good night to everyone who has been watching us on Facebook. And just before we close the event, I would like to invite Lawrence to do for us the closing prayer. Over to you, Lawrence. Thank you, Fabricia, and thank you, Altino. Absolutely delightful evening. Thank you so much, sir. So once more, dear friends, we draw into the calm and the peace and the sanctity of our own temple within. Divine and infinite Father God, we give thanks for this evening, for this inspiration and knowledge shared. We give thanks for the creativity the coming together and for the spread of this knowledge across this beautiful world that you have created for us and we ask as we leave this place be it online that we take with us the blessings the healing and the love of jesus christ amen amen so Thank you, everybody, and have a good night. I'll see you soon. Good night.